All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Petrol head, Nico Smith. So, Nico, um, you know, I was thinking this week as uh, my fury seemed to rise with the consecutive rain and uh, driving in Joburg seemed to become more and more challenging with lights and traffic lights and robots going out. And I started to think maybe it's time for us to remind ourselves how a circle works and when the robots or the traffic lights go out, who goes first and who goes last. (laughs) That's so funny. And frustrating at the same time. Okay, so um, <laughs> so when a traffic light is out, of course, it's a forward stop. I think we're okay in Joburg. I've been sitting in other regions that Africa where it's even worse. But when the traffic light is, is, is out, then, of course, two, uh, we, uh, let's say that if it's just one lane, then you go, uh, two opposite sides go, and then sides from the opposite side to the opposite side, if that makes sense, goes. In other words, you take turns at going. Um, it's, it's like a four-way stop. Um, it gets a little bit more tricky when there's like, let's say, three lanes and different directions to turn into. Then it gets a little bit more frustrating. But it actually flows a lot nicer if you're just a little bit patient, but also react quickly. Sometimes if people are really slow, they actually start frustrating everybody else. If they just can't decide, should they go, should they go, you know, isn't it really my turn? That can also be a bit frustrating, but if it works like a four-way stop, it should be fine. So let's, uh, how uh, does a four-way stop work? Let's remind ourselves. Whoever stops first can go. So if you stop, and if you stop first at the four-way stop, just make sure other people are stopping, then you can go. So um, effectively, sometimes you're stopping at the same time, then it's about being courteous um, or being friendly or having a look at what other drivers do. Um, sometimes I also have a look at other drivers. So I try to read what the drivers are doing. Are they not sure? Are they hesitant? If you're stopping at the same time, I sort of say, please go. But I also look at the reaction. Maybe they're not concentrating or looking at me. So you've also got to read traffic a little bit. But I, I, it does help to be a bit more courteous and patient. But having said that, sometimes you just are a little bit frustrated. <laughs> so it's, it's better to be patient if you can. So let's look um, at, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm harping on at this because I just mm-hmm. want to get absolute clarity for myself. So if we have a four-way stop and okay. it's five o'clock traffic, so there are cars coming from left, right, center, you name it, they're all at the four-way stop at the same time. How do you, you know, there was then a, there was decide? A, there there's a movie in the 1990s called L.A. Story. And uh, you get, uh, it starts off with four cars stopping at a traffic, at a four-way stop at the same time, and they all sort of freely say, okay, you go, you go. And then all four go together and drive into each other. It's actually really funny. So I almost picture that. But um, uh, if all four cars <laughs> stop at exactly the same time, then it's sort of interesting because then you... Each for his own. Courteous. Then it's a little bit like that, but... You sort of, whoever then goes first, okay, then you go. So mm. um, opposite directions, it's easier if they're crossing. And then let's say you, you've started moving and the guy in front of you to your right moves and then from your right and left they move. So whoever's there first should move. It shouldn't so, actually be difficult. But sometimes what, what happens, what, what I guess frustrating is that one guy sneaks over and then another three guys sneak over. And then mm. from the opposite side, one guy goes and then another three guys go. Yeah. I also look at, let's say, for instance, there's a truck. And if a truck is moving, then you can sort of move with a truck. Um, because effectively the truck is a little bit longer. So you, you, you've got to gauge things a little bit. But as I said, I think it's nice if you can try and be a bit courteous. It helps a little bit. But sometimes, as I said, you're also frustrated. So then you're sitting with, you've now sat at seven traffic lights that are out and you're really getting a bit irritated with this. Then emotions run high and emotions and rain and frustration and potholes and then I, I guess makes make the situation a bit worse. Uh, when you're looking at traffic circles, uh, mini circles, 
um, what, 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 what tells you what the mini-circle is is the, the traffic sign. So it's an upside-down triangle. In other words, it's pointing downwards. So that's a mini-circle. Not the size of the circle determines the mini-circle, but the traffic sign. And then whoever, again, it's a forward stop. So whoever stops at the traffic circle first or is in the traffic circle should go. So, um, again, it's a, uh, you've got to be a, a bit courteous because some people don't know how it works. And if there's one lane that a road that's a bit busier than the incoming roads, then people tend to not actually realize how the mini-circle works. So it's not the size, because mini-circles can sometimes be the size of a hubcap, and they can be sometimes um, maybe 10 meters across. Mm. So the traffic sign, triangle pointing down, says whoever is in there first, it's a, it's a four-way stop. Somewhere in one of the, in my, I normally take notes of what I've done, I have the exact wording, but it works like a four-way stop. And then again, the sign, if it's a blue sign that's round, that's a circle. Then you yield to the right, like Velcom. So Velcom is lots of circles. So having a round, uh, a blue uh, round um, road sign says yield to the right. So it is in the circle to your right as right of way. Okay, so first the right-hand person goes, then you go, then... That's and that's if there's a around, blue yeah. if there's a blue sign. That's the blue circle, uh, if, as opposed to a, a triangle pointing down. That's normally a mini circle. And mini circles work well if people know how they work. But as you as we always know, that people don't be they look at the size of the circle on the road and that assume then that's how it works, as opposed to looking at the traffic sign. Okay, UF from Mzianda says hi, Mr. Nick. I'd like to know about the Mercedes Benz Bucky, the double cab. And how competitive mm-hmm. is, is amongst uh, comparative to the Toyota and Ford double cabs or buckies, <laughs> prices, etc.? Because I like it, but I don't hear much about it. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever. Well, heard it's because it ain't no more on the road. Oh, oh. on the road, not being so- it, it's not being sold. That didn't rhyme. So what happened <laughs> is that um, Mercedes Benz had a contract with Nissan. So with Nissan Navarro, they effectively, because Nissan had been so successful with with building buckets for a long time, they, they shared uh, technology. So effectively, the, the Mercedes-Benz Bucky was built on the Nissan Navara platform. Oh. In other words, what's under the skin. They yes. did share some things like the, the, the smaller engine, um, four-cylinder diesel engine was shared, and then Mercedes-Benz had their own six-cylinder diesel in there. Um, unfortunately, um, due to a few factors, I'm not sure exactly all the details, but one of them, for instance, was that the pricing was quite high Compared to the competitors, of course, I think Mercedes-Benz, maybe their objective was more of a premium bucky, but um, effectively the sales weren't as great, um, and unfortunately they stopped making it. So it, it's not being sold uh, anymore worldwide, it's not being made. So that's why you don't see a lot of the Mercedes-Benz bucky anymore. So if you saw one on the road, or if you saw one that was for sale secondhand, what would your argument be? Do you think it's uh, got value? Yeah. Yeah, of course it has. I mean, you've always got Mercedes-Benz, you know, the main backing that, and Mercedes-Benz will back it. So uh, it's, uh, it's all about going to be about the pricing now. What are you paying for it? There are a few around. You, you still see them. You don't see a lot of them, but you see them around probably more in the cities than in, in smaller towns. But they are there, and Mercedes-Benz will back them as long as they're on the road. So you are going to be able to service them uh, and get parts. Um, and, of course, again, you know, the, 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 the brand is quite strong. So I'm, still, I'm sure you're still going to pay for it. So if you like it, then yeah, you should. At the end of the day, you know, with any car, you've got to drive it. So um, as long as you know what the pros and the cons are, if you like something, you're the one that's going to drive it every day, and you should enjoy what you drive. But know, always make sure that you know what are the what are the positives of the vehicle and what are the negatives. The negatives could be that maybe in four or five years' time, it's not that popular because 
not a lot was sold, or maybe in six years' time the parts are a bit more expensive because they, they weren't a lot of them, so there's not a lot of parts around. But yeah. again, the brand is strong and it's supported by the brand, and there's some kudos or bragging rights to driving a Mercedes, so yeah. that could be your positive. So, uh, Funo has a very good point. Funo from Etiquani Durban saying, you drivers forget about us pedestrians at four-way stops. Funo, uh, you rate that. What should the drivers be doing to make sure that pedestrians can get across the road? Yeah, unfortunately, pedestrians are sort of goes two ways. Number one, um, sometimes people are just crossing the road everywhere, which is quite dangerous and, 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 and not actually looking or just walking. Um, and, and not crossing where they should. Um, in the same vein, I think we are also a little bit too, too aggressive towards pedestrians, um, and we're not always looking out for them. In certain, um, for instance, in, in Germany, um, you know we jaywalk a lot, so if you had a traffic light, um, uh, or no, let's say as a pedestrian, um, you look and there's no cars left or right, even though the light is red, we would walk across. Um, in Germany, if you do that, you get stares from people like you can't believe um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, so you eventually feel so guilty that you wait with everybody else um, and make sure that light is green before you walk across the road. Where in South Africa, we tend to look left and right and then go across. So uh, they're also much more strict in the sense of if you're hitting a pedestrian, or even for somebody told me in, in the Netherlands, if you hit a cyclist, you're guilty. doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter the situation. If you hit a cyclist with a car, you are in trouble. So... Um, the same goes for, for cycling, let's say, again, in Germany. I've been on a bicycle in, in, in Munich um, in the city, and, and, and you can cycle there. Even if it's sometimes you've got to cycle on the road, cars are really looking out for you. You really feel it's almost like you're feeling safe because you, you notice how people are aware of you on the bicycle. And I think, unfortunately, in South Africa, we are not that aware of pedestrians, and we sometimes a little bit too aggressive towards them um, and, and not really courteous. But again, as I said, sometimes also some pedestrians are crossing the road in a dangerous way. So you have to be, I think, aware. Maybe that becomes comes to being a driver that's aware of your surroundings and, and what's happening to the left and right. And not only looking for cars, but for, for cyclists and, and pedestrians as well. Lady Soms Mamvemve says, uh, people in Joburg cannot drive in the rain and just do not know what to do when the robots are out. So thanks for the reminder of the road regulations Nobody in South Africa can drive in She's, the rain. She says we need lessons from the Cape Tonians. And then, like, Ooh, crazy. I oh, know we're, not, we're not going to go there yet. We're not going there, ladies. We're not going there at all. Okay, we have a message for you. Hi, Mitchell. Can you please ask uh, Nicole uh, what product can I use to remove uh, oxidation from uh, the paint of my car? Is uh, I'm not yet ready to to send it to a workshop for a, a full body respray. Because it has, it is, it is, I pack it on direct sunlight, so uh, some of my paint is starting to oxidize. It's getting, it, it is getting whitish, chalky like. So when I consulted Google, they told me that it's oxidation and I need to buy a particular spray, spray the body of my car and use a soft cloth to remove that uh, that thing so can you ask for me from nico please which product would he recommend if any thanks oxidation on your car interesting question what do you do uh, honestly i don't know what product to recommend if i was in that situation though i would go to um uh, places that sell let's say like a midas 
um, because I don't know what products you recommend, but I would go, maybe I'd do a little bit of research. I'd go on the internet and I, I would search um, products for uh, pain, uh, car oxidation. I would also go to Midas because they have a various range of products as an example. And I would also um, ask them, so um, what products do you have for oxidation? So, so what's, that's what what's, I would what's Midas? Midas. So Midas is a, is a is 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 like uh, it's a place where you can get car parts. So Midas would have um, different things um, um, with cars, like you can get jacks and stunners, um, and uh, then things for oxidation and additives for your car and recovery uh, stuff. I mean anything car related. So Midas is a good is a good place to start. You can also look at places like Game or even Macro, for instance, uh, or Builders, but. Um, because they also have autom- automotive um, departments, but maybe they're not as the people working there aren't as geared, for instance, as people would be at Midas. They're a bit more geared towards um, your car. You could maybe even consider Goldwagen. I don't know what vehicle you have. So go to a car place to, to maybe get a recommendation there. But I, I, I don't know a specific product, but that's the route I would personally follow. I would just, I would go to, if, 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 I don't know where, you, uh, where you're from, but if you're in a smaller town, it's a bit more difficult. If you're in the city, you have a few more options. Just go to one or two places if you have some time and, and ask a few places. Um, okay. And again, look on the internet as well. That, that's what I would do if I was in your shoes. So Norman in Bushbuck Ridge says, Hi, Nico. I'm driving a Mazda 3 Dynamic. About two months ago, the power steering was stopped being active. So I tried to put transmission oil, but that didn't seem to work. And some says that the oil pump was red and it needed to be replaced. It is due for a service next month. But my question is, must I stop driving it or can I drive it? Or does it damage anything when I drive it without the power steering? So um, I'm not sure exactly the details of the car, but normally you have a power steering pump. So power steering effectively um, is assistance. To, to, to give you a bit more oomph to turn the wheel when you're driving because new cars, the tires are wider. Um, so especially when you're standing still, um, you need to, uh, it, the, the power setting helps you a little bit. Um, I would say my suggestion is just go service the car now. If your car is due to be serviced in a month, what's the difference between a month and now? Rather have it checked out because I don't know exactly what the situation is and why it hasn't worked. Um, you know, so without a proper diagnosis, it's difficult to say exactly what the problem is. Um, and if your car is going to be serviced in a month, just go service it now and get it done because I, I, I might say something, but I don't know exactly what the details are. And if it's just a pasturing pump that's an issue that's not running, or if it's something worse. So rather service the car now as opposed to in a month's time. Norman, you heard that loud and clear. Take that car in for a service immediately. Okay, I'm dying to see how you're going to answer this question. I know what I, I know oh, what no. I know I'll what be, my I'll answer would. We'll see next week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Nico. <laughs> I know what my answer would be, but it's, it comes from T in Durban saying, "Good morning, Petrolhead and Michelle and the JSB team. I've got a question to put Nico in the spotlight. This is this is oh. the message. Why is the BMW grill getting bigger and uglier with each new release?" <laughs> you know what? Uh, I don't think it's only BMW. So, um, oh, um, you're blaming everyone now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, um, manufacturers um, uh, always want their cars to be recognised. So, um, any brand that really gets 
you know, want to work on their DNA, and let's call it recognizability for lack of a better word for me for a second, they want you to recognize that car from a distance and say, ooh, that's a BMW, but I'm not sure which one that is. And then they also, the designers, take certain styling uh, cues and they say, listen, okay, this is where the trends are because they've got to predict what will sell in six years' time when they're designing something now, for instance. So the busy design, whatever they're designing now will only be sold in six years' time if they start a new car. So they've got to say, okay, what are the automotive trends? What, where are the cars going to? What, do, what is our direction, our starting direction? So what do we, where do we want to be? Um, and then it, it, exactly I've seen that. The, the girl gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, at two, we're now on the, in the four series. It's huge. Um, so, um, and and it, it, it's very controversial. And people are talking about it, but maybe that's also part of that. Listen, um, this is what we want. Um, and we want um, people to maybe talk about it and also certain things you get used to. So um, I already I think that the, the grill isn't as offensive as I, when I, the first time I saw it. So it's already looking much better. Um, I'm still not used to it, but some people might like it. But definitely um, that's their design philosophy to say that's where we want to go. All their grills are probably going to get bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> because maybe it's part of recognizability. Who knows? Well, if um, you, maybe you're driving a BMW and you think it's fabulous, in which case you're welcome let to know. let us know. What do you think yeah. of that grill? T in Durban is not wild about it at all. We've got a question oh. for you. Good morning, Michelle and your guest. Uh, I drive my car, it's a Ford Ranger WL, for the whole day with my red Ranger full. But when I park and check the radiator the following morning. The radiator will be empty, no water visible. But when I start the car in hydro for 10 to 15 minutes, I start to see the water coming up and filling up the, the radiator. What, what, what is because of that? Thank you, Joshua. Jobek. Okay, so Nico, Joshua in Joburg saying that he drives his car with his radiator. It's full when he starts driving. Then he gets home, he leaves it overnight, and when he wakes up in the morning and gets into his car, the radiator reads as empty. Then he lets it idle for 15 minutes, and slowly the radiator appears to be filling up. What would that be about? Yeah, I think it's just... Pressure in the radiator. I think um, I think if there's a leak, uh, personally, always, you know, this is time to admit this side of the story. Um, there's a, a, a point where when it gets to exactly the technical details, uh, I'm not 100% sure. So what I'm guessing here is that there's a leak somewhere. But as soon as there's pressure, the water's going to lift up in the system. But, he, uh, he, I mean, he, you, you definitely have a leak because I'm sure you're putting water in all the time again. Um, so uh, the, 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 somewhere in the system there's an issue because it shouldn't do that. It shouldn't uh, um, have no water um, because then otherwise it has a leak. And if the water pushes up, I think it's pressure in the system. But um, having a car that runs without water is a dangerous thing for an engine. You do not want an engine to overheat. Um, uh, you can really do big damage. So I think you have a hole somewhere in the system. They can be, they'll normally do a pressure test. So if you take it to a dealership, I'm not sure, or the person that services your, your, your car, they do a pressure test on your, uh, on your radiator and your whole system, and then they will sort out a leak. But my opinion, there's a leak, and as soon as you start running the pressure in the system, um, it, uh, not all the water's leaked out. That's why it looks like it's filling up again. It, it isn't. So when the car is cold and off, 
that tells you exactly how much water is in is in there. So Joshua, another person, take your car immediately to yeah. the uh, petrol station, not the petrol station, but exactly. To- you yeah. don't want it to overheat. That is the worst for an engine. You, you're going to do lots of that. You're going to, it's going to be much more expensive than doing a pressure test on the radiator. Okay. Hans in... Um, ooh, I'm, not, I'm not going to read. He, he says that big BMW grills are because BMW drivers have small feet. So there we go. <laughs> so like, okay, wait. So um, let's continue. Ice Blocker wants to know, is it okay to pass a, ra- a red traffic light during the night? Is it safe to do so? Could you get... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is it okay to break the rules of the road? Please say this on air. You know, can... <laughs> well, I, I must say, I, I, I hear Ice Blocker. I mean, as, as someone who sometimes is driving alone at night and uh, I get to a red robot, I don't feel that comfortable in the middle of the night somewhere. Um, and I will admit, hopefully I'm not going to get taken out for saying this, but very late at night, and I'm sure many women feel the same, and maybe many men as well, that, that if they look left, right, and really, really check, that they should move on. What would your take be? Let me, let me put it this way. I understand why people do it. Um, I understand completely, um, because um, they are sitting right out of my house. Um, there's a traffic um, uh, light that is a hijack hotspot. At night, it's dangerous. It's, um, so it's off the highway, um, um, the road turns in and getting on the highway or off the highway is dangerous. Um, so I do understand exactly why people doing it, are, are doing it because there are no, um, you know, there's no cars coming and you feel unsafe. I understand why. Just, um, you know, what is a worry is when that becomes sort of a norm and then, you know, it, like from, it moves from 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and then eventually it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That, that I think, is a concern. Mm. But I can say I, I understand exactly why people are doing it, especially if it's um, a, a woman driving at night alone and you feel unsafe. I understand why you do it. Is that, some, is that, is that an answer? That sounds like a, a very, very, ta- a very, very tactical answer. Yeah, yes, you, you, could be be a a politician. One, I, you could be a politician. You could be a politician. But I understand... Yeah, but I, I mean, I, come on, I can't say on air, you know what, please do that. But mm. I, I want to say I understand why people do it. Yeah. Mm. I understand why if you're feeling unsafe. But uh, as long as it doesn't become a, you know, eventually... A daytime the, habit. That's what worries me. Yeah. That's what worries me, but I understand why people do it. Okay, so ice blocker, not to be a daytime habit. Then we've got a question, uh, not a message from someone, just rather a message very quickly, which will be appropriate because we're about to go into the news, saying, can you tell Nico that I have a Volvo that rode an entire year without a water pump. I now have absolute respect for them like no other car. And uh, <laughs> ask him what he thinks. Well, I don't really think we need to ask you what you think on that, do we? No, yeah, it's a cool car. Maybe the, I mean, they had to have water in it to cool down. So maybe the, I don't know what, what was happening, but if you didn't have water, the car would overheat. But you know what, the older cars, some of them were amazing. They would keep on going and going and going. So yeah, respect to Volvo then. There we go, nine o'clock, time for the news. Ciao, Nico. Good morning.